Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. All right, and we are working to get back into the groove of things. It's not quite fall yet, which is my favorite season, but football's getting ready to start. Fantasy football's getting ready to start. School's getting ready to start. Uh, Cheers already started. It is a busy time. Gotta love the cheer. I know. We had to dig out uh, Jason's Cheer Dad t-shirt so he can be ready. Oh, yeah. Bows before bros and big fat apple, skinny banana. You may have to give a preview of that cheer sometimes so people know what it's like. Yeah, it's it's a really dumb cheer, but I, I like it and it's funny. So I have my friend and his wife make me a shirt <laughs> that's toxic. And it mentions... Uh, and I think all my shirts say Rory's dad in the back, which is pretty embarrassing. So uh, that's fun. Yeah, I think she says that's so embarrassing, but I think she secretly loves it. And like all the coaches and like other cheer parents like know that Jason is the cheer dad, which is really funny. <laughs> and embarrassing for me, I think. I don't think so. You got your own fan base, man. That's true. They know I love Big Fat Apple, too. Whenever that cheer gets going, people look up at me. I know. Next thing you know, people are going to be wearing shirts that say, like, cheer dad for president or something. <laughs> Rory's dad is the man. Yeah, I want to show them to have that shirt. Yeah, so we've got cheer celebrities and all kinds of other stuff happening at our house. And our kids are going back to school this week. So I, it's the first year that I am not going back to school also. Um so that, that's an interesting, it's a, it's a season of change here at our house. But one thing that doesn't change, we're playing board games. And that is that's true. true. We're looking up board games. So I have a very eclectic set <laughs> of n- games from news to talk about. The first one I want to talk about, it is really a quick turnaround. There's only going to be about two days left on this Kickstarter, but it was so interesting. I thought the premise so funny that I absolutely had to talk about it. And this game is called um, Boil and Trouble. This is by a small indie company from Canada called Island of Bees. And in this game, you are playing a group of witches and you are trying to steal children from the village (laughs) and um, get them. You're going to try. You have to snatch up and eat six children before the full moon ends. So you've got to kind of lure the children to your coven. You're using your um, familiars to help you, your minions. Is this a Hocus Pocus theme? It's not. I mean, it's obviously like that, but it's not like an IP or anything. And honestly, that's kind of the one flaw I see in this one. It's not of the production quality is super low, but this game sounds really cool. It says it'll be ready for Halloween, which I think is like really awesome. That's pretty quick. I know. That's a quick turnaround. Right. Well, it's because... It doesn't look great. Uh, (laughs) But so you are in a coven of witches and the witches each have um, a spell book they use. And I think 
possibly like a special player power. And um, the map is crazy looking. And they're like, oh, the map the map is a, a riot of vibrant hues. Uh, riot might be the right word. But there's these little towns and the towns are where you get the vill- the children from. And then there's also these twisty, turny um, trails out in the woods that you're trying to get them on uh, so that you can lure them to your coven, which is like this cauldron in the middle, right? So you are kind of, you know, using your actions to work on that. Like you are, you are doing um, a cauldron action. So you've got ingredients that you can collect and put into the cauldron. Um, or you can also take ingredients out. And um, then you have like a magic action that you could cast a spell based on what's in the cauldron. So the interesting thing is the cauldron is, um, is a group use. So we and we have different spells. So I may put in an ingredient that works with one of my spells, but it may like blow up your spell. So you want it out of the cauldron. So like that give and take and it's cooperative. So you're trying to figure those kind of things out, which I think is a really cool element. And then um, if you don't want to cast a spell, you could move a minion and there's a zombie. uh, There's a, a, a crow. And there's a, what's the other minion? A black cat, of course. And so they do different things. Like the zombie will scare people away um, onto like certain paths. But he, like everyone's out to get him, obviously. We want to kill the zombie. So people that are chasing you are going to chase the zombie down first. And then the black cat in in cat fashion will like, it can lure children because they're like, oh, cute. But it can sleep on these roads to block paths because no one's going to cross the black cat's path, which I think is cool. Um, but he'll die if he gets thrown into the water or forced to cross the river. It doesn't have a bridge because there's also rivers on this map. Then you've got the crow. It can move really fast. It can lure children. Um, but if children are on the same location as him, it's too fragile because kids are bastards. And can I say that? You can say whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> and it'll die. So then you, you, so you're like doing these, this stuff, ingredients, um, moving your minions to try like chase children towards your like coven. But then after each player takes a turn, there are these heroes. Um, so there's a hunter and the hunter um, actually starts out with a wolf or a, a dog, a wolf, I think is with him or a dog. Yeah, a vicious dog. So it's interesting. The hunter is like, I'm out to slay monsters. So it's moving around. The hunter moves in the forest. It chases down your minions and it's after the zombie. That's like its primary goal as a zombie at first. And it's really powerful at the beginning of the game. But as the minions die, his power decreases because he's kind of like lost things to hunt, right? There's also this mob of angry villagers who are looking for your missing children that you're trying to take. So they move around with the villages. You know, they've got their torch and pitchfork. Um, they're slow at the beginning. They can't really move very well. Like as they find more villages that are missing children, they get more power because, you know, the mob's getting crazier, right? And then there's a woodsman and he is just always wandering the forest. He doesn't get any stronger or anything or chase your minions, but he is constantly checking the forest to return lost children and kind of push away minions. Like he just never tires. I, I I just think there's so many cool things about this. I wish it looked better. I wish the protect production quality was better. 
and maybe it just shows poorly on the Kickstarter, but the concept of this game and the theme for me, I love little witchy. I love Halloween. I love these themes so much. Like I just had to mention it. So it's called Boil and Trouble. Once this podcast drops, there's only like two days left on the Kickstarter. But I, as of right now, I'm I'm pretty sure it's already fully funded. Yes, it's fully funded. And it looks it'll it says it'll arrive by Halloween. Well, there's a print and play version. So I wonder if that's what will arrive by Halloween. I don't know. Maybe not. But it it looks cool. So uh, if you want to check that out, Boil in Trouble, two days, make it quick, uh, $23. I mean, the gameplay sounds cool. It's cheap. I like that. Um, bad production doesn't really bother me that much. Well, so. this is $30 for the standard edition. Oh, no, it's Canadian dollars, so 23 bucks US. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, their exchange rate's not very good. Mm. So that's the first one. And for something completely different now, a game that's much more straightforward, uh, this game is called Flight Plan. Flight went, The production looks awesome on Flight Plan, actually. So Flight Plan is a game where you are running an airline. It reminds me of uh, if smartphone were about airlines, which I think is really kind of cool. You start with like a bunch of money. It sounds crazy. $750 million, right? And you get like three routes to start your airline. But you've got to buy more planes and have access to more routes and get hubs. Um, so you really need those investments. And what's interesting is like, okay, I've got, the, I've got this route that I can do. And you can only operate in certain regions until you get enough resources. So that's something else to do because you're also kind of trying to get three regions. Um, you're going to have to purchase fleets. And there's like different route types of different fleet types, right? Because it's like, oh, if I have this big international flight, I'm going to need like a long or an ultra long haul kind of fleet. And there's also a cargo fleet. That's something that's a different kind of route. Um, I think that sounds super cool. Like just that concept of thinking through like, okay, I've got to make money on these routes. What do I have? Like, I'm probably going to make more money on the international halls, but they cost more to get into these longer um, these longer flying type planes. And then um, there's a daily briefing every day. It's kind of an event card. So it could be, hey, you got an industry reward. Great. Here's some more money. Or like, oh, there's a global pandemic that's shutting you down. You can't fly internationally or whatever. Like good days, bad days. So that kind of mixes stuff up, which I think is awesome. And then you can, you know, buy like an unknown route um, that or, originates or terminates from your current location so again you've got this route kind of connection um you can fly your routes to make money right uh you can buy new fleet additions on your turn you can develop a hub in a place um you can negotiate with other players uh, there's just a lot of cool stuff in this game and it's like there are a lot of games about you know kind of owning an airline or whatever but like airlines europe is like barely <laughs> like managing um an airline but this is like real real kind of managing 
uh, that I think is really cool. It's very clean looking art. Um, it has an economic look to it, but I don't think that it's exactly that. So if you like airplanes or if you liked, I think if you like smartphone, which has that economic base to it, that this has a lot of that flavor, maybe just a little bit lighter. Uh, check out Flight Plan. There are 10 days left on this Kickstarter from the time that this drops. And uh, the base pledge is $65. Yeah, this sounds good. I mean, I like smartphone that one time we played it. And the Flight Plan theme is cool. Which is not done a ton. Yeah, Airline Europe is basically a stock game. Mm -hmm. There's nothing there. Airplanes. Pan Am is effectively Ticket to Ride with a little bit more going on. Um, so yeah, a cool airplane theme that does something cool. That could be interesting. A little bit high on the price, but it's not terrible. Yeah. And I think that the production quality looks pretty good. There's also like um, a Kickstarter like version of this that you can purchase that has like extra flight plans on it and um some more cool stuff and i'm like oh man you know that would be nice to have additional routes and cards and things yeah that's but cool. yeah looks like a cool game i played smartphone like at least twice I, you might have hmm. i only remember playing it once but again i i don't know all right, in our last game, kind of coming full circle, completely opposite of our first two, is a game that, you know, I don't think it's going to get funded, to be honest. But I kind of want it to, but I also kind of want them to learn from their mistakes and relaunch this campaign and do a better job. Uh, and the, the, the game's called Tabernacle of Yahweh. And this is by Barefeet Games, which this is kind of the first thing that they've ever created. Um... And it, the it's they're in the UK in London, avid board gamers themselves. So it sounds cool. And also, this is a kind of game that we, Jason and I, especially like to play. It is a biblically based game. It's about um, you are one of the tribes of Israel during the Exodus. So you have left, um, part, you know, got a part of the Red Sea. You left Egypt, no longer slaves. Head to the Promised Land. We have to, we're going to construct the tabernacle and get all its furnishings together. Now, the problem is the Kickstarter does not fully explain how you're going to do that. There's some things on there, but it doesn't really give you an idea of how to play turn. And there, there is not a video either of someone playing it through. I do not think so. And I'm like, a lot of these Christian, I don't understand these Christian games. They never, granted, people probably don't want to play their games because. There's other reasons, but they never have videos. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. Well, we would. And so the the discussion of how to play the game is super basic, but there's more things I can see from the pictures that can I can kind of guess. Because you're running this tribe, um, and each tribe starts with some cards. And the cards that you get are tribe members, and each tribe member gives you a particular type of die to roll. That's going to give you resources to either to expand your tribe um, and also work on the construction of the tabernacle and its furnishings. Now, apparently you can like upgrade and upgrade some resources and um, I don't know how you get points for your tribe. 
it looks cool. There's a space for Moses, a space for Aaron, a space for Miriam. So this is all based on like Exodus 25, which I like. I like that idea. Um, the artwork is actually pretty good for some biblical games that I have seen. I actually really like the look of this. I think it looks fun. I just wish I knew. They even got a deluxe version, but they don't really explain how to play it. Um, they, it's just, and they want a whole lot of money. Their goal is like almost $61,000. That's outrageous. Well, I mean, I, I get it. They've probably never done it before. Um, right. They don't want to go broke doing this. So I get it. I get it. Uh, and they have, they do have a video that's like the intro video. And it reminds me, there used to be this old, it, those of you that are like, you grew up in the church. There are these old school videos, like adventure book videos, or um, it was just like these cartoon, like Bible adventures. And that's what this intro video looks like, like a Bible cartoon adventure from the 1980s. And and I get it, you know, this is their first time. And so I, I think it looks like they've got a good game. I wish they would, uh, you know, give a more detailed rundown of how to play it. Or get someone to do a video to show that because I think they're doing their game a big disservice. Because I think this looks like it could be a really great kind of, I might be wrong, but it looks like a good like contract fulfillment, you know, dice placement, things I really like. I see cubes of 17 colors. That's a lot of colors of cubes. But I... It is a lot of color. I was just going to say, they have 17 different resource bags. That is insane. Yes, yes. So I I love to see this again. I would love to actually um, play test this for them and, and, and do a video about it or something or even, you know, write out like, here, here's how you play a turn. Because um, I think it has potential. So it's probably not going to fund... But it's worth checking out, maybe leaving a comment or something. Tabernacle of Yahweh, um, there are 12 days left in this Kickstarter, but I believe the base pledge is $77. Yeah, that that's insane. So my issue with a lot of these, and there's not a lot of good biblically themed games. We have most of them, and there's like six. Uh, outside of like Bibleopoly, most or outside of the, the good games, most of the games are like Bibleopoly mm-hmm. and Bible Trivial Pursuit and all that junk. So whenever I see a game that is based on a religious or biblical theme, I want to try it, especially if it has cool modern game mechanisms. Right. And this has like cards. It has those dice you're rolling for resources. It has a bunch of tracks that you put cubes on. It looks like you're also using the dice as workers as well as rolling them. Like it looks fantastic, but the page is terrible. It looks super low quality. And the price points out outrageous. If you're telling me, yeah, and if you're telling me those chintzy, ugly bits are $77, I'm not going to give your page a second look. You're already, you know, under the gun a little bit because it's a biblically themed game and a lot of gamers have, you know, don't want to play those. So you got to make it look good. You got to give it some appeal. You got to do the commissioned effect. Commission is the most popular one. It did it right. It just basically sold the game as fun, historical, kind of, you know, it's a biblical theme, but they just made it like a history theme. And you got to put some effort into it and some money. I mean, you have to. Yeah. And so I want to encourage them to, to 
you know, keep going with this game, but there are, are some some lessons to be learned here. Oh, yeah. I would play this 100%, though. It looks cool. Yeah. All right. And that's all I have for news for this episode. All right. So let's talk about a few games that we have played over the last couple weeks because, uh, yeah, we haven't really... We were supposed to drop two episodes last week, but we didn't. Sorry. So you're getting one anyway this week. This week. But one of the games that we played was shortly after maybe Origins or a few weeks after. Yeah. And our friends picked it up. And it's a Kramer and Kiesling game that has me interested because I'm a big fan of them. And this game is called Wandering Towers. And this was all the rage at Origins. Uh, everybody was playing it. It was getting a lot of buzz. Also, and, it was at Gen Con, too. Oh, is that Gen Well, we didn't go there. I don't really know what was there. So um, what this game is... It's it's a super abstract theme, but you're like a sorcerer or wizard or something, and you're trying to travel around these towers, but you're also using magic to move these towers to squish your opponents to take some of their magical essence, because you're trying to fill up five of these potion bottles, I think, f- five or six potion bottles, depending on the number of players, and you're trying to get all of your wizard or witch pieces into the black castle piece so you're going to be playing cards from your hand it's either going to maybe let you move the castle it could let you move your witch uh, a certain number of spaces and you're just trying to move around um and cover up other people's witches so they have to remember where they are uh because if you cover up a witch and then someone moves the castle everything moves and you have to get into the special black part of the castle with exact count. So it's a little card game, a little bit of memory, and just a kind of a chaotic, silly move around and try to be the... It's a race game, kind of. You're trying to be the first player to do some stuff. Um, so it, it's really simple. I think you have a hand of two or three cards. We played it, played it a while ago, so I don't really remember. But you have a hand of two or three cards. On your turn, you're going to play, I think, two of them and do... Both the action, do one half of the, there's two actions on each card. You do half the action from one card and then the other half of the other card. I think that's right. And then you're just trying to move your characters around and get them in the black black tower piece. And hopefully squish some fools along the way. That's it. Um, so it was fine. I enjoyed it. I had a good time. I think I won, so that did help. Um, but yeah, it's I'm not good at memory. The memory's kind of basic here. You can kind of figure out where your pieces are. But yeah, it's, it's fine. I I wanted a little more options with the cards, maybe. There were also some special powers with the potions that you could spend, but, yeah, I don't. I, I didn't use any of those, so I don't really know what they did, but it was fine. Not something that I would probably seek out and play on my own, but I had a good time. So how do you feel about this? I never want to play this again. I felt like it was a waste of my time. Um, <laughs> I feel bad being so mean about this game, but I'm like, it was stupid. Like, and I don't know if maybe it's because I did so badly, like I couldn't figure it out, but I, I just was I had trouble finding the point. Um, I'm good at memory, but I feel like that doesn't really matter. I mean, you're just playing the cards. I, I don't, I feel like there's very, I want to say there's very little strategy, but maybe there is a strategy, and that was my problem, is I didn't know what it was. I, I just didn't like it. I don't know if it's because it's so abstract and I'm like, this makes no sense. Why would I want to do this? 
what is this accomplishing? Like, I don't understand where I'm supposed to be going with these things. Like, I, you're trying to get your wizards in the I, black Yes, tower. I know okay. that. I just heard you. I don't know. I, I, it's a no for me. Yeah, I, again, I don't want to play it probably a ton, but if somebody wanted to play it, I would play it. It was enjoyable. And it took like 30 minutes, so it's not like you were playing it forever. That's true. But. That was the merciful part is that it was short. <laughs> I will say that. But otherwise, no thank you. If you want to play it, I'll gladly sit here and watch you. More power to you. So moving on from a short <laughs> game to a game that was not short. Uh, so we played this next game at three players. And I don't know if this game is out yet. I apologize. We got sent a copy, so I don't know. I thought someone said they but maybe this... pre-ordered it, so I don't know if it's quite out yet. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. It, I think it is open for pre-order. But the game is Expeditions 1920 or 1920 Expeditions, but it's just called Expeditions, by Stonemeyer. This is the sequel to Scythe. Now, we'll come back to that in a little bit. But effectively what this game is, is this is... Uh, tableau building worker placement exploration game you have this ginormous mech that's five times bigger than it needs to be and you're moving it around these different tiles on the board which have the same artwork as scythe it's the same artist same kind of theme and you're trying to use these tiles to draw cards acquire these cards that are in the middle of the the board um, complete these quests uh, take these meteorite cards that you find and tuck them under your board and just like Scythe, it's a race to do four of the, like, I think there's eight in-game goals uh, to trigger the end of the game. Everybody takes another turn and see who has the most points. Um, so, effectively, you're moving around. You're collecting cards, putting them in your hand. You're trying to collect different colored workers. I think there are five. To be able to place them on these cards when you are able to play them. Because on your turn, you're going to move this little cube, similar to Scythe if you played Scythe. You're going to move this cube from one space to another open, available space. And you're going to get to take all the actions that are uncovered. Everything that's covered, you can't take. There's three actions. There's move, which moves your little mech guy. There's play a card, which you get to play a card from your hand to your active section. Do what the card does. It's going to move you up on some tracks, give you some kind of special ability if you have the workers. Or you can gather, which activates the tile. Some of the tiles just give you stuff, uh, re workers, cards, all that kind of thing. But some of the tiles are going to let you activate these special powers, which will be how you uh, turn your meteorites under your board, which is called a meld. There's item cards, which you can upgrade your mech with. And there's quests that if you're in a certain location, you can play a card and then you can complete those quests, solving it to get some stuff. You have to pay something, you get something else. And ultimately, you also have to go to a space, take a gather action when there's a little star, which is called a boast, and that will allow you to put your star out on the board to score those achievements that you've accomplished. This seems easy enough. seems like it shouldn't take that long, but it went on for a bit. We played probably a three-player game in about three hours, which was a little too long for this. Um, it takes up too much of the table. Uh, it has the scythe art, which is, you know, you can take it or leave it. But I will say, I like this game way better than Scythe. One, because I get to do my own thing. No one's arbitrarily showing up on my hex and trying to steal all my stuff. Um, I can go to any tile that I want. The only interaction is if I'm on that tile, you can't go to it. So you're fighting for the cards a little bit, but barely. And I'm trying to do my thing. You're trying to do your thing. And we're racing to get these four stars out on the board before everybody else. 
I like that. I kind of like the exploration. I like being able to use the resources. I, I, I like the way the card play works. I would play this probably over side any day because it's just more my style of game. Multiplayer solitaire. That's kind of my jam, and that's where this is. So I dig it. So how'd you feel about this? You know, um, at the time, I was very off-put by how long it took. And in general, I do not like the Stonemeyer mechanic of... Uh, I, I don't like a race to an end. But um, I, I would say it's a, it's, it's a fun game. I wish it were a little bit shorter. I actually think I like Scythe better because I like the tech tree that you can develop and that you don't really have anything like that on this. The cards sort of like Yeah, yeah, you're using the cards instead, I think. Um, but I think I think I actually prefer the way Scythe does it, which I never thought I'd say. Again, I, I do not like this art style. And that's fine. Um, that's neither here nor there. So it doesn't visually appeal to me. Um, it's not bad. So this one, like, yes, if someone wanted to play it, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll play that again. Um, it's, I, I would say it doesn't necessarily replace Scythe. It's different. Um, of all the Stonemaier games, Exhibitions and Scythe, like, I just, I just don't really, they would not be my first choice, but it wasn't terrible. I will say that. Oh yeah. I mean, it feels nothing like Scythe. Like, mm. Outside of the stars, outside of the stars, I move a mix around. I guess. I think that's where it stops. I mean, Scythe has a deeper tech tree action selection. Mm -hmm. It has the way you do quests are different. You're carrying all your resources around with you, with your mechs and your people. Uh, it It's a lot different. They have some similarities, but if you like Scythe, I don't think that necessarily means that you're going to like or dislike this one. True, true. Uh, it's they're yeah they're completely different. I wouldn't have called it the sequel to Scythe. I wouldn't have, but I didn't design the game, so <laughs> who am I to say? But yeah, it, if taking the side thing away, I think the game would probably I, I don't know this for sure, but I think maybe more people would give it more of a chance because it's not it doesn't have that Scythe word tainted on the front of the box. So a lot of people really love Scythe, so that's kind of the catch. Well. That's, yeah, but if you're expecting, like, you know, a dude's mechs on the map type of game, you're not going to get right, that. Right, right. That's true. There is a mech on a map, but that could be a cube on a map moving around. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, it, I, I like it a lot. It's good. Uh, we have a video of that one if you want to check it out to see what it's all about. So, All right, so those are two of the games we played. We're going to have more, but for the sake of time, we're just going to move on to the feature. All right, so we have been going at this. This will be part four of games we think every gamer should own. This may be the last part. I don't know. I haven't looked ahead. Um, but we talked about based on like basic mechanics, you know, types of games that we think um, are good for kind of a well-rounded uh, game collection. Uh, we we are exploring those kind of games. These, again, are games that we think are fairly easy to teach to get to the table. Um, games that you can also find readily available. We're not doing any out-of-print stuff. This is straight up. I could get it pretty easily. 
So today uh, for the episode, we are discussing bag building, a great mechanic, uh, two player games, hand management, route network building, and kids games. And I actually think Jason fairly followed the rules. I think I did. Yeah, I think I did a good job. It, if I say so it myself. It couldn't be worse than some of the other choices he has made. <laughs> That's true. It can't be any worse than the last time we did this. That's true. Right. So, Jace, kick us off with your, what kind of bag building game do you think everyone should own? Okay. So there are, I wouldn't say lots of games, but there are a decent amount of games where you acquire things, put them in a bag, and then you draw them out of a bag. But a lot of them are push your, more push your luck than strategy, I think. And I wanted to pick a strategy one, not push your luck. So I went with Orleans or Orleans, however you want to say it. It looks like Orleans, New Orleans without the new. Um, And this is a game where you have these different workers. They're just little discs, and they're going to go in your bag. You start with a certain number, and you're you're allowed to draw so many out based on uh, where you are on this one track on the board. And you draw them out, and then you're going to use the workers to put them on different worker placement spaces to activate so some will need a certain combination of two workers. Some may need a certain combination of three workers. And then uh, you take that action. So there's moving around this map, this center map, to try to collect different goods, build trading houses. There is um, moving up on tracks. There's a lot of moving up on tracks, actually. There's a board where you can uh, get rid of some of your workers. They go off to this like sideboard, and they give you one-time bonuses and help thin your bag out. But it's a lot of... Going to locations, acquiring different workers, then using those workers to take other actions to try to score points. But as you get more stuff in your bag, more chips in your bag, you have a higher probability of getting better chips out than the ones you start with, or you can specialize more to certain types of things and all that kind of thing. So that's the bag building pieces. As the game goes on, you're kind of putting the workers in the bag that you want in there to take the actions you want to take. I think Orleans probably does it better than most, at least that I've played. Um, and I just really like this game. It's it's a good time. It's fun. And who doesn't love pulling stuff out of a bag? I say that every time we talk about bag games, but it's true. I love pulling stuff out of a bag. So Orleans, that's my bag building game. Yes, I feel like we could talk about a lot of different bag building games because we do like them and we have a decent amount of them. But we want to talk about especially ones that we think are pretty easily accessible and I'm willing to talk about a little bit of pusher luck because I think that there's something about that that helps this game in particular work well for people. And that is Quacks of Quedlinburg. I know, big shock. Everyone's like, Uber knows that game. Exactly. Because it's good. And that's why it's on my list. And that's why it's on my list. Because, yes, everyone should have it. Um, I introduced this to my sister. And my brother-in-law. And even actually my niece. Um, and let me tell you, not not gamer people. Not not really. They try. Bless their hearts. Um, and so this has, in Quacks, if you don't know it, I guess, you are building a bag <laughs> so that you can pull out these potion ingredients to put in your cauldron as you're making your, your Quack your panacea or whatever it is you're you happen to be making and you don't want to blow up your pot and there's a so that's the push your luck aspect but as you're playing you are really trying to you're putting in more um ingredients that are good 
to increase the likelihood that you're going to pull out better stuff. And just that, oh, what's it going to be? Like that whole luck aspect. Um, you're never sure it's going to come out. Oh, dang, I busted. I, there's something really just super fun about that. It's it it's really easy to teach. Um, it's it's just it's just a good time. I've only heard of one person not like it, and they're an idiot. So I like it just. <laughs> That's hashtag truth. It just goes over so well. Um, you can play this. I mean, kids might not get all the strategy, but there's a decent amount um, of gameplay that it, you can play this with a lot of age groups, family groups. Um, it's just really, really fun and accessible. Yeah, you can like get upgrades and like all this stuff. And then there's several expansions, which are all good, but you don't necessarily need those because just the basic game is really good. Uh, that push your luck aspect that, ooh, what do I want to put inside my pot and let's, or in my bag and let's see what's going to come out. Uh, it's just, you, you need this game. So my choice for bag building, Quacks of Quedlinburg. Yeah, there is a kid's version of it, too, if you wanted to try it with your family, I guess. But I think you'd have to have pretty small kids to really merit that, to be honest. Yeah, that's true. We played it with just adults, and it, you probably should just be playing with kids. All right, so the next one that we're going to talk about is two-player games. Now, we have a couple shelves full of two-player games, but one that I really like may be the first game that we ever bought at a con. I'm pretty sure that is the case. Our very first Origins, I think we picked this game up first or second, but I'm going to go with first just to make the story cooler. I think it might be first. And, and this game is called Holmes, Sherlock, and Mycroft. And this is from DeVere, at least our version. I think there was a reprint. It might still be DeVere, but I know there is a new reprint of this. I just saw it. And uh, this is a two-player game where you're. it's a worker placement set collection and kind of a... I guess you got to manage some resources too because you have these magnifying glasses that you're paying for stuff. So what you're doing is you have these workers and you're visiting these different cards on the board and they're all characters from Sherlock Holmes. I'm not going to go into them because I'm not good with the names and I don't want to sound like an idiot. So <laughs> Sherlock Holmes characters. Uh, and you're going to put your worker on it. You're going to do the action that they allow you. And what they're going to let you do is they're going to let you get magnifying glasses, which is how you're going to pay for things later. Or they may let you spin magnifying glasses to get these clue cards. And basically, these clue cards are a bunch of different types of things, like a cigarette butt. Um, I think there's shoe prints, um, a whole bunch of things like that. I haven't played it for a minute, so I can't remember. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get more of these cards of each type than your opponent. So I guess there's a little bit of tug, not tug of war, but you know, a little area control sort of in the set collection. But it, the more of these cards I have, my score is the number of cards I have minus what you have. My highest card and all the ones that I have minus what you have. It's really weird scoring, but once you understand it, you figure it out. And you're taking, you're using all these workers to take, to get these cards, to collect these sets, to ultimately score points. And each round, a new worker will come out on the board. I think it goes over like six rounds or something. And if you use the worker the previous round, you can't use it again, that same space again. You have to move it somewhere else. Uh, so you can't just stay on the same person and keep going over and over. So there's a lot of different decisions in this game. Cool theme. Everybody loves Sherlock Holmes. Everybody knows who Sherlock Holmes is. It's a fantastic theme. Cool set collection. Plays in like 30 minutes, and it's just a ton of fun. So my two-player game, Holmes, 
Sherlock and Mycroft. Yeah, I I totally love this game, and I it, I'm pretty sure it was the first one that we did buy. I'm almost positive. Um, my choice is an, also an early purchase for us, and we played the crap out of this game. Um, to be fair, I beat Jason at it repeatedly, brutally, many times. Uh, so maybe that's why I love it so much. And that's Seven Wonders Duel. Isn't that every game, though? <laughs> no, it's not. There are some games that you win. Although, to be fair, there are games that when we play two-player, I can almost all, I can I can beat you generally. But when we play with a larger player count, I'm not as successful. It's very upsetting. Yeah, that's right. You, what? you lose normally. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know. It just felt like a yeah, that's right yeah. kind of moment. Okay, whatever. I mean, I want you to say like, yeah, that's right as much as you need to. But anyway, uh, Seven Wonders Duel. So if you played regular Seven Wonders, the very first edition, I haven't played the new one, Architect something. What's the new one called? Archi- I think it's just Architect Seven Wonders, I think. I'm not sure. I can't remember. I want to try that one because everyone says it's better. Because I played regular Seven Wonders, drafting game, sucked butt. It was awful. I'm like, what's happening? What's going on? And I was really excited about it because I played Seven Wonders Duel. And I'm like, this game rocks, right? You are drafting cards from these pyramids in the center. Almost like, is that called Klondike style from Solitaire? Yes. Where like what's revealed, you can get when you move cards off, you can flip over new ones. And you're really like matching up um, symbols so that makes other cards cheaper later on. You know, you, you, your cards then also are going to have um, your resources that you can use to buy other cards. Um, and there are multiple paths to victory in, su- in like a simple two-player card game. Like that is what I think is genius about it. Uh, we do have the, is there just one expansion? No, maybe there, there's, there's two. two. But we only have Pantheon. Which Pantheon just adds, you know, some other seven wonder wonders you can build. Just a few other little things. Still good, but the base game, oh my gosh. Like, if you are looking for a two-player game, this, I mean, this is so good. It's so good. Like, you need to get this. If you're looking for a two-player game, you need to get this. It's it's very basic play, but the fact that there's so many ways to go and things that you can do and the cards come out differently all the time, it I mean, it's like chef's kiss. It is the spot. Um, so that's why it's my two-player game choice. Seven Wonders Duel. Yeah, it's a great game. I don't even want to play the expansions. I just want to play the base game and have a good time. It's so good. So good. All right, so the next thing that we're going to talk about, next mechanism or type of game, is called hand management. Now... There are lots of games where you're putting cards in your hand and you're you're using those cards to do things. But the way that I interpreted it, and Katie can talk about her own thing, is everything that I'm doing, the cards are always in my hand. So throughout the duration of the game, I'm not playing any cards down in front of me. Everything I'm doing to score at the end of the game is done while the cards are in my hand. You don't know what I'm doing, but that's that's what's in my hand is what I'm going to beat you with at the end. And I think the game that does this the best is a Stonemeyer game and it's called Red Rising. And this is a game based on some book series called Red Rising. I don't know who cares about the theme. Stop. But in this game what you're trying to do is you are trying to get these different cards in your hand to score the most points. And the reason you want these 
these cards is some of the cards are going to function with other cards to give you even more points. So there's in this the game there's a different like colors of cards. They're like different cast systems. So you got like you know the poor people and the super no- nobility people. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get cards in your hand that work well together that give you bonus points and fire off so you can have as many points in your hand at the end of the game as you can. Now in this game there's also certain actions that you can take uh, to help you get manipulate your cards and all that kind of thing. And there's also other tracks. There's some tracks that you can move on. There's like an, a space shuttle track that gives you points. You're trying to collect helium that's going to give you points at the end of the game. You're trying to get some cubes in this little area control area. And you have this little trophy thing that moves around so you can activate your special ability. But all that is just to aid you in getting cards in your hand to manipulate those cards in your hands to score a pile of points. Um, That's just a card game with a little bit of extra stuff going on. Cool production in the retail version. The deluxe has some weird color cubes, but that's neither here nor there. The card game part is fantastic, and I like it. So my hand management game is Red Rising. I do like Red Rising, and honestly... um the hand management portion of that is one of my favorite things, which is why I really liked Marvel Remix, and I'd like really like to try to find the other themed version of that. And I was going to use that, but I'm like, well, Jason basically covered it. So I was trying to think about, yes, games where you are managing and working with the cards in your hand, either to lay them out, um, like meet certain conditions, whatever. So the game I picked is Scout. If you haven't played Scout, it is totally worth the hype, especially if you like card games. Oh my gosh. We have the old and busted version, obviously. Um, I actually really like the look of the new cards. The theme makes no freaking sense at all, no matter how you look yeah. at it. But I actually, nope. like, I like the color scheme. To me, I think that's cute. I think it's pleasing to look at. But... The colors are cool in the new one. That's for the sure. game yeah. still plays well. So you are given the cards in your hand. You can use them where there are numbers on opposite, opposite corners. The way you pick up your hand is the way your cards stay. And you're wanting to create cards like Rummy-esque style in uh, like sets or in runs. But you cannot be rearranging those cards in your hand. You At the beginning, you may flip your whole hand upside down, see what's going on with the other numbers. But from then on, you are working to manage that hand to make the best of it, to pull cards out and order to, or add cards in or to be able to get those like sets and those runs to get rid of everything in your hand. It's 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 so like so many other games, traditional card games that are out there, which is what makes it so accessible um, and yet kind of brain burning, but in a good, easily accessible, um, understandable way that you can get any of your relatives at Thanksgiving to understand this game. Now, to be fair, I did try to teach it to my grandma and. Uh, for a while, she was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing, which kills me because this woman is one of the smartest people I know. But then sometimes, for some reason, you put a board game in front of her and she acts like she's a dunderhead. It makes me crazy. Uh, but she did catch on to this game after I repeatedly said, this is what you're doing 15 times. She got it. 
um, because it's cards. Again, if you have played cards, especially you were in the Midwest, man. Now, this isn't trick taking, but there's lots of games, hearts, Rami. I mean, uh, Canasta, Hannah. You're going to find you're going to be able to pick Uno even. You're able to pick those kind of mechanics up with Scout. Um and just the limitations, the restrictions it gives you makes it like just that really good kind of brain burning challenge without being like, this is too hard. I want to give up. Uh, you, yes, you need to own this. It's great hand management. Scout. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, it feels like a classic card game, but the way that the cards work in your hand is amazing. All right. So next is probably, I don't know. It's a really popular genre of games and they normally start with an 18 and have a couple X's at the end. (laughs) And this is route and network building. Now, a lot of people think trains. Um, That's the easiest. Yes. But there are other ways to do this and they're just harder. They don't, I don't think they tell the theme as much. So there are some that aren't uh, trains. Both of ours happen to have trains in them. Mine also has canals, but, um, yeah, in any any place where you are building somewhere, connecting it via some other way, that can be net, network building. So lots of games you can check out. But the one I want to talk about is it's a Martin Wallace game. So I want to say this. This is not for every casual gamer. So this might be the one that kind of breaks, my, uh, breaks the rules a little bit. But if you're looking for something a little bit more, a little bit deeper... This might be one. It's a little bit on the heavier side. It's kind of dry. You need a glass of water, but it's good. And this is brass, either old and busted one you can find for cheap on eBay and Board Game Geek, or the new one from Roxley called Brass Lancashire. There's also Birmingham, same kind of deal, but I'm talking about Lancashire because I actually like that one. And what you're doing in this game is you are trying to build these different types of businesses or industry tokens. There's cotton, there's uh, coal mine, there's iron ore plants, there's um, ports, shipping, uh, and something else that I can't remember. And you're putting these down in different locations on the board, and you're trying to connect them with either a canal in era one or train tracks in era two. Now, the reason the network uh, building is really important is you have to build next to an adjacent network that you already have. And in order to use coal, you have to be connected to someone's coal production factory via a network. Once a network's down on the board, it doesn't matter what color the train tracks are. As long as you can make it from your building to a coal building, you can use that person's coal to build your industries. So you're trying to, everyone's kind of working together to, so you can use people's stuff because you want people to use your stuff because it flips your tile to give you points. But you also want to make sure that you can have stuff that you need when you need to build. So you're, the whole thing is based on where you're placing stuff, what you're connected to, and that allows you to build where you need to build. So it has some train tracks, has some boats. But it's a fantastic game. Multi-use cards. I know Katie disagrees with all the stuff that I'm saying. That's fine. Yep. But it's a, it's a great game. If you're looking for a little deeper game, um, if you've been playing, maybe you've, ha- you've been playing games for a long time and you just don't own any and you're looking for something that... You know, you really like dry, boring uh, Industrial Revolution themed games. Then this is one you should check out. Uh, it's, I think it's fun. It, nope. It's not everybody's cup of tea. I get that, but uh, if 
if the if you like games like I like the types of games that I like, this will be one that you should get. So my route network building game is Brass or Brass Lancashire. I can't disagree more with this choice. <laughs> um I mean, yes, there are routes of networking, so I'm like, okay, not ever, no one should own this. It is a waste of your time. It is so boring. It is not fun. It sucks the life out of everything. And like just just talking to someone to talk them through the game, they will fall asleep with their face on the board. And then you'll have to redirect them. And then they're still not going to know how to play anyway. Uh, Woof. (laughs) Just just pretend like I'm going to edit that out. We'll leave you on a high note of me talking about the game. No. No one, blah, no, no. So instead, a game that actually everyone should own in any of its various iterations. Uh, my current favorite is actually London, but I haven't played all of them. And that is Ticket to Ride. Now, I know everyone's played Ticket to Ride, blah, blah, blah. O- okay, there's a reason for that. Because it's accessible. Because people can find it. Because it's not that complicated to teach to people. Because it's fun to put down your little training tracks. I also, I like the London one because you got the double-decker buses. Oh, and I also like that we have this kid's Halloween-themed one that is so adorable. Like, it's very simple, but it's still the same basic gameplay. And your kids can join in, and it's fun. You also can learn some geography, and some of you need that. So quit playing the America version and play like Europe and figure out where some stuff is. I'm, that's not pointed to anyone. I'm just saying it's helpful. Uh, All kinds of lessons to be learned here. Plus, I live in America. I don't need to know where other oh stuff is. Oh my gosh, stop it! You, you're hurting me right now. Um, first, you talk about this awful game, Brass Woof, and now you're like, I don't know where everything is. America, blah blah blah. Don't okay, just stop right there. Don't 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 talk during the rest of this. Uh, Ticket to Ride. If you're like, oh, well, I've played that a bunch of times. Try maybe the two player one. Some of the smaller maps that are tighter. Um, they several of them have like uh, like a little extra mechanic kind of thrown in that changes it up a bit. And so that way, when you teach it to someone, it is accessible for them. It's still fun and interesting, but it's also fun for you. Uh, so I, I, I just I just think there's a reason that Ticket to Ride is a staple. And if you do not own a version of it, or, you know, I think we've got two or three, you really should. So that is my choice for route and network building. It just makes sense. Yeah, it's a good game. And it's been, you know, it's sold more games than like every other game ever for a reason. So, yeah, it's really good. All right, so up next and last, the last one we're going to talk about is our kids game category. Now, there are lots of good kids games. We have a whole shelf full. So, we just picked a couple, but we could probably do episodes on just good kids games cuz kids need to be able to play good games and not just um guess who and junk like that. There are way better games that teach kids things that they should be able to play and enjoy and move on from that other garbage. So two that we're going to talk about, the first one I'm going to talk about, well, the only one I'm going to talk about is a game called Pebble Rock Delivery Service. And I know this is available at Walmart. I don't know where else you can get it, but it, it was on Walmart's website for a long time. And this is a game where 
players have this little, they're in charge of this little like fishing boat. And what you're doing on your turn is you're going to roll some dice and you're going to move this fishing boat around this little, it's not little, but this huge board. And you're trying to visit these different locations and either um, get these treasure chests that you found, drop them off, or pick up passengers, deliver them when they need to go, or take cargo to these certain locations to sell them for points. And it's over like eight rounds, and on every round you're taking one turn. But you can do a whole bunch of stuff. You're going to move, you can visit multiple islands, you can do all this stuff in one turn. And you're just trying to make the best choices that you can over the course of the game to pick up and deliver, drop stuff off, do as much as you can to get the most points at the end of the game. It's adorable. Uh, the art is fantastic. It's a really simple game to play. It's easy to teach. It's kind of too big. That's my only issue is the board is gargantuan. It's huge. And it's hard to fit on a table. But outside of that, it's... It's a really fun game. The theme is adorable. It draws kids in, and I like to play it. As far as kids' game go, it's a little. It has a little bit more going on, I think, and I just I enjoy playing this one more than some. So, mine is Pebble Rock Delivery Service. Yeah, it's pretty good because especially if you're playing with, you know, non-children, you can really like um, chain different actions together. You can. Just the way that it's set up, if you run into certain things and do certain. Um, of like uh, missions that allow you to kind of keep going, keep playing, move further, which is kind of a cool puzzly element. And it is so freaking adorable. So freaking adorable. Speaking of so freaking adorable, my choice, um, I have gone on and on about multiple times on the podcast but it's so cute and it's an intro to deduction which is one of my favorite mechanics and that is detective charlie do yourself a favor forget clue jr you want detective charlie it has like that a legacy game feel because you're getting you have so many cases you're opening the envelopes you're seeing you know oh okay this is a new puzzle uh you've got really simple cases like, oh, uh, one will be like, who took the chocolate for like the chocolate day sculpture or chocolate festival sculpture? And you're like, oh, my goodness. And so there's all these adorable. I cannot emphasize how adorable these animal characters are. And the box, you actually set the characters up in the box so that you can see all your suspects. Although, again, you know, we're not grilling them or anything. They're not going to jail, animal jail, because they're too adorable. That it just would they wouldn't last. So that way, when you're you're going around, kind of you're moving your pawns. It's cooperative in the circle to talk to witnesses to get clues. You can eliminate suspects and actually physically eliminate them, and look at them, look at their traits. You know, see and start thinking about. Okay, you know, if if this person is telling me that. Um, you know, Lucy the lion wasn't going to go to the festival because they're allergic to chocolate. Would they have stolen it? No, probably not. Lucy the lion, take her out. You know, just things like that, like getting kids start thinking through the deductive process um, and in the most flipping adorable way possible. Like, oh, I love it so much. Apparently they're supposed to be like um, an expansion. If anyone sees it, I will give a kidney for it like i 
It's just so cute. It's so great. My daughter loves it. Uh, highly, highly recommend Detect Charlie. Yeah, this, I will say, this is definitely one where if you're playing adults and kids, the adults are going to figure it out pretty quickly. I'm terrible with deduction. I can figure this game out. So you probably want to let the kids drive it and just, right. you know, go along for the ride kind of. It's it's not a game that adults are going to play. It's definitely one that the kids need, need to be in the driver's seat. Oh, absolutely. And so it's like if I'm going to have to play a game with Rory, which she often insists that we play with her, I will say, yeah, let's play a case of Detective Charlie. And it's just kind of I help I help kind of say, oh, well, they said that they saw, you know, uh, Gary the giraffe at three o'clock. Well, didn't they um, didn't they say that the the chocolate was stolen at three o'clock? What do you think that means? And just kind of help them start thinking through that because it'll really help pave the way for some of those deductive processes down the road. And also you can use deduction in all sorts of parts of your life. So it's, it's definitely one where I'm like, you know what? I don't have to be super involved, but I can also simulate learning and kind of also encourage her to be like, you know, you're the lead detective. I'm just going to find these clues. And what do you think I should do with this clue that I just found? What do you think that means for us? Um, yes, yeah, so good. So good. So that is our fourth edition of games. Every gamer should own bag building, two player games, hand management, route building and kids games. Do you agree with those? Do we give you some new ideas? Do you have some ideas for us? Like, oh, no, no, the bag builder you have to own is blah. Tell us. Check out all our socials. Um, We love to hear from you guys. I know that our recording schedule has been erratic, but we're still here. Um, We are definitely not closing down shop. We're just trying to figure out a good rhythm, figure out where things go in our life. We're just kind of rolling, rolling with the punches, uh, but, but we really love to talk to people who listen to the podcast because I still can't believe that people actually listen to us. And we also, more importantly, love to talk about games, finding new games, seeing what games you guys like, um, learning what's out there, uh, getting your feedback. That's really important to us. Also, Jason is always pumping out videos. My man is a machine on that. Um, I need to get my act together. But I just don't see it happening <laughs> anytime yeah, it, soon. It's definitely harder. Like I got used to that uh, working from home schedule where I could do some more stuff at better times. And now that went away. So that's sad times. That is a big hard adjustment. Like two years of working from home doing kind of different scheduling and then not doing that. That's a big deal. So seems like I should be over it by now. Maybe I'm just whiny. Who knows? But. <laughs> We'll get there. Yes, but we we appreciate your patience. We appreciate you still listening to us, uh, still checking us out, videos, social media. Um, You guys are the real MVPs. Yep, agreed. All right, I'm starting to talk slower, which means I'm getting sleepy. It's bedtime. So I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming.